Welcome to FraserCast, the place where we discuss how our community can create a more inclusive and equitable world for people of all abilities. Our community includes individuals who have varying physical, emotional, and diverse needs, and Fraser is here to help. Today we welcome Julie McKibbins, Assistant Program Manager of Vocational Rehab and Program Development. Julie has been with Fraser for nine years and has made incredible strides with creating this program. Also with us is Hong Vong. Hong joined Fraser in 2017 as an employment coordinator and works closely with Julie to move their program forward. Welcome, Julie and Hong, and thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us here today. So let's start from the top, okay? Tell us, please, if you could, about the career planning and employment program and services that Fraser provides. Yeah, we're re we're really excited. We joined this um, this. Uh, area of service about nine years ago, and we've developed a pretty full spectrum of services. We are an employment first organization that offers a lot of skill development that focuses in on engaging, planning, finding, and keeping opportunities that are available for the community for inclusive living. We support individuals in living their best life. So let's start at the top, please, and provide our wonderful FraserCast listeners with an overview of career planning and employment that Fraser provides, please. We offer a lot of skill development classes, you know, like how to talk about yourself to an employer or how do you answer this interview question? Tell me about yourself. It's really a loaded question because if you can start that interview off on a good foot, the rest of the interview goes well. We do a lot of things like informational interviews with employers. Hong, you do a lot of social coaching and job coaching and interview prep. Do you want to talk more about that? Yeah. So some of the things that I do for social coaching is preparing individuals to communicate with people just in the community in general, if they that's something that they're having a hard time with, and also preparing them for conversations in the workplace, kind of depending on where they're at and their readiness of employment. Some of the other things that I do is also higher ed support. I help a lot of individuals with the time management and organization of their school schedules and making sure that they're getting their coursework turned in on time and ready for those exams. Fantastic. So this strikes me as obviously a very uh, big moment in a family's life when, when this transition happens. So what are the sort of critical experiences or changes that are going on right now, this transition from high school to college and that caregivers and families need to think about? You know, I've been working with youth um, that are in transitioning out of high school into the work world. And it's so different because as parents, you get used to the school systems and the supports that are available. And then all of a sudden, adult life comes and the supports don't exist anymore, at least in the same shirt, right? right. So we want to make sure that people get hooked up with like Voc Rehab, the state of Minnesota Department of Voc Rehab, so that they can help them carry them through that transition because they're a service that will stay with them for um, their whole career. And really just that accountability stage. You know, in high school, teachers might hunt you down a little bit and uh, ask you to hand in an assignment or whatever. In college, mm-mm. Right. Hong, Hong, what's been your experience with the college professors hunting people down? Um, I mean, they don't really hunt you down at all. Uh, but if you, I mean, there, it kind of depends on the teachers that you get. There have been some teachers, especially with COVID, that are a little bit more flexible if you reach out and say that there is some type of issue that made you not get your, um, turn your assignment in on time. They can be lenient, but most of the time you are finding that 
most professors are not and they have those strict deadlines. So the individuals are needing to really manage their time well and make sure that they are getting those assignments done before the due date or by the due date. You know, one of the other um, points on this too is sometimes chronological age doesn't pair up with maturity age to be ready to move on to college. So some people might need that longer runway. So some people call it a gap year or gap years. <laughs> and other people just kind of say, well, I'm going to go to work for a little bit or I'm going to explore a little bit more and try and figure out what they really want to do. And we encourage that because uh, learning, lifelong learning is there forever. And it doesn't, you don't have to stick to a chronological age to be enrolled in college. We, we've learned that over and over. There's also different certificates or diploma programs or actual four-year degrees or master's degrees, whatever it might be. Well, and college is more than just a four-year degree or master's degree too, or higher education, right? There's a lot of different things you can do after high school to extend your education. It's not necessarily a, a you know, baccalaureate program or a master's program. Right. And for some of our folks, um, especially on the autism spectrum, they, they might not be prepared to handle some of the classes that they don't like or they don't enjoy. That rounds out that whole, you know, well-rounded four-year degree. So, so that takes a little bit of maturity to like struggle through some of those classes to make sure you can get those done. I think something to add to is the individuals being able to just understand where they're at and also kind of know what types of supports they're needing since in high school, they they were just handed those supports and knew what supports they needed and being able to identify those once they get to college and then reach out to the disability services in order to get those accommodations that may help them be more successful when they are in school. And that leads me to ask you a little bit more about high school. You mentioned high school, Hong, and this strikes me as something that caregivers and families should be thinking about well in advance of that transition age, right? During high school, especially junior and senior years, what are things that families and individuals, caregivers can um, do to prep for this transition? We, I mean, at Fraser, we offer some college, we offer a college boot camp, which helps them, individuals come into this course and learn about time management and organization for that transition into the co into college. We also offer other supports like exploration where we can help individuals explore the different colleges that they may be interested in and then making sure that they are choosing that right school that would be a good fit for them. We really recommend that individuals are looking into this support that junior year, their ju junior year of high school so that there is plenty of time for them to do that exploration and not having to feel crammed and overwhelmed having to do that like right the summer right before they start school. Students are also able to take a post-secondary education option. It's PSO, uh, PSEO, uh, which they could take a class while they're still in high school to try out college and see if it's right for them. So that might be an opportunity for them too, to just kind of get their feet wet and see if that's something for them. So Julie, what are the top four resources that caregivers can look to to help them prepare for this transition to college? You know, there are a lot of resources that can help. You know, on campus, we definitely have access professionals where they can help set up accommodations, uh, whether it's a note taker or uh, testing, extended testing, taking time or um, a private room to take a test in. And with virtual COVID, you know, it's sometimes it's really just that communication by email and making sure that professors are staying in touch. 
There's also some additional supports on campus too, like TRIO or counseling services for immediate needs. But Fraser is also here to help you with mental health therapy. Maybe it's an arms worker, which is an adult mental health rehab worker, where they could help um, be at the home and, and help just kind of with that transition for the, the, the social emotional side of going to college. And then Fraser's Career Planning and Employment, we, we have a crew of staff that could follow along and you could have voc rehab services, possibly waiver services follow you. So th there are a lot of supports out there, but let's not forget too that there's some parent workshops through Fraser. There's also some training workshops for parents too to really kind of start understanding how their role is shifting and how they can make the transition as well. So the transition has been made. What kind of resources are there now for a student once he or she has left the nest and gone on into the world? So a lot of people hopefully have a state of Minnesota Department of Voc Rehab. Um, have, they have a counselor that's going to be able to follow them and offer them resources. Other people might apply for state waiver programs as well to add in other components like housing supports or personal care attendance supports things like that. There's lots of work incentives as well through social security. So if they're receiving like a supplemental security income, there's some work incentives to help uh, try to help bridge the gap into employment and making sure that they have enough to support their needs. So I think that there are support networks, but it might be different than what they were used to in high school. And so just making sure that you get a really good guidance person to help you um, navigate those next steps is really important. So you mentioned managing time. Let's talk about that a little bit. Any tips you can offer right now at this point people can think about in terms of time management? Look, we can all use that help. So uh, you'll do us all a favor if you give us some tips here, you guys. I love Google calendars. I mean, I do you love uh, Google I calendars? Really like, Go ahead, on. I personally like paper calendars. I am a big paper calendar person. I need to have that calendar that is broken up by the hour and then plugging in literally every single thing that I'm doing within that hour on my planner um, so that I can kind of keep track. Of course, the electronic calendar is nice just as a visual, but I just have to physically write down my stuff to help me manage my time a little bit better. Now that's a great tip, Hong, because there is a mind-hand connection. So when you use your brain and you're actually physically writing, it's a really good uh, memory technique, right? I prefer the electronic calendar like a Google calendar because I can still break it down to the exact time that I need, put the location that I need, color code it according to courses, and also set alarms so that it kind of says, hey, Julie, get your butt out the door and get ready to go to school. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think something to keep in mind is that there's not really one right way to manage your time. Some people need to implement multiple um, things in order to manage their time well. So I know I have a lot of individuals that need to use a phone alarm, but they also have to have like a physical alarm clock that can get them up and then move over to that alarm clock to turn it off physically. And then again, having that electronic reminder as well as maybe a paper calendar sometimes too. That's great. Uh, do you, either of you have any stories, you know, broad stories about individuals who have, you know, been successful or otherwise that can help us understand? Yeah, I actually, uh, sorry, I actually have an individual that I am working with in the higher ed supports right now and he 
uses both a electronic planner and a uh, paper planner. So his electronic planner helps manage or like block off the exact times that he has courses. And then we put in specific study times in that planner as well. And then for the paper planner, we are physically breaking down every assignment that he has and then putting a due date on it as well. So then he can go in and check off that he has completed each assignment or task as he um, does them. It, it acts as a great things to do list and you are able to color code those as well. You can either color code them in pen or you can color code them with highlighters and then he has to know what he can focus his attention on. So what about caregivers? So I've sent my charge out into the world and I'm concerned and we're talking about, you know, helping this individual, this uh, student uh, succeed. What, what about me back at home? What resources or how should I be thinking about my own self-care because I'm going to be worried. How do I manage that? My desire or maybe my uh, need to be a helicopter parent or whatever my personal issues are. How do I deal with that stress? You know, the transition from high school to college is stressful, right? It's stressful for the student. It's stressful for the parents. It's stressful even for the grandparents. And, and learning that, that, uh, that new role that you have where you're support, but you're not doing for them and really trying to push them out of their comfort zone to make sure that they're trying to seek out resources that they need and that they're asking for the help that they need. And the last thing we want you to do is to physically do their homework for them because that doesn't teach them anything. It doesn't teach them how to move forward. And so really trying to be that support person behind. And sometimes failure is a really good learning tool. You know, that we, we can't prevent failure 100%, even with coaching, but we can talk about, well, what happened and what do we need to do to adjust from here? I think that if an individual, if a, as a parent, you know that the individual has, or your child has a like counselor that they can go to as well, you can encourage them to reach out to that counselor for additional support so that you don't feel like all that pressure is also on yourself as well. Cause that's what we are essentially here for to help those individuals. Well, thank you, Julie. Thank you, Hong. This has been very informative about a very important time in a, a family's life and in, in transition into adulthood. For more information, on transitional services and so much else, please visit Fraser at www.fraser.org. That's F-R-A-S-E-R.org for more information. And thank you all for tuning in to FraserCast and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Hong. Thanks for having us. <laughs>